folks, and welcome to Christ in Every Word, a podcast of the Concordia Bible Institute housed on the beautiful campus of Concordia University, Wisconsin. This is your opportunity to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the sacred scriptures with me, Dr. Brian German, Associate Professor of Theology here at the University and the Director of the Concordia Bible Institute. A big day here in our Christianity in Genesis podcast series. Chapter 12 is on the docket. You know what that means. It's the one after 11, which means also that uh, everything kind of zeroes in on Abe and his family. The book of Genesis is really a two-part book, you might say. Book uh, Part one of the book is first 11 chapters, huge stuff, thousands of years Global stuff, flood, Tower of Babel, cosmic creation, huge stuff. Chapters 12 to 50, the rest of the whole book of Genesis, 80% of it, the left, what's that left? Um, What's that? Basically one family, Abe, Isaac, and Jacob. You're going to get Joseph there as well. Uh, what is it? Three fourths of the book? Did I say eighty percent? Whatever it is, um, that's kind of in a couple hundred years instead of a couple thousand years. That alone is worth thinking about the nature and character of the God that we're working with. Chooses one, or in this case, yeah, one individual, one family, in order to bless all the families of the earth. Chooses one individual through whom to accomplish salvation for all the earth. In, his, in the death of his son, of course, this character of God to work through uh, a few on the ark to save uh, a new stem to his church that'll populate, uh, to work through a little to save a lot. Or, you know, it, instead of wiping the hard drive clean, here we are again with the Lord calling to Abram, this guy who is really, we'll learn from the book of Joshua, worshiping other gods. They served other gods. Uh, I think I mentioned in the last podcast, his dad was on the go hoping to get to Canaan. But the thing I think that's that's interesting, there was no promise attached to it. It was by reason and strength, let's go to Canaan, and that's going to fail. But if you have the Lord's word, you will get there. And so even though Abe is kind of, he was already, he was supposed to go to Canaan already with his dad, uh, they end up settling and uh, and then the word comes and says, go to Canaan, and you have my word, my promise, backing it up. So you all you have the word uh, there, fulfilling promise, go to Canaan. You also have the word that calls Abram out of darkness into marvelous light. Abram was caught up in idolatry. It was not like he gave the most money to charity. He... Uh, it's not like he was doing, he was, you know, there, everybody's out there. He's the best guy, the most morally upright and all these things. We don't know anything about him. Again, just the journey at the end of 11. And yet the Lord in his infinite wisdom calls him out of darkness by means of his word, which is exactly the story for the Christian. Again, this is Christianity in Genesis. What happens to Abe is, uh, to use a fancy word, paradigmatic. It, it sets the paradigm for how the Lord's work how the Lord's word works in an individual Christian's life. I have called you out of darkness, brought you to faith by the hearing of my word, cleansed you, and so on. So the Lord says to Abram, go from your country. That's the other thing, too. The very first word to Abe is go. Leave your former manner of life, Paul would say in Ephesians. Um, 
your idolatrous ways. Get out of them. Movement away from what you once were. Children of wrath, just as the others. Again, Paul from Ephesians 2. Go from your country, your kindred, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I'll make of you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Fascinating stuff here. Leave your former ways. Leave your country. That's pretty close, near and dear. Leave your kindred, oh my, and your father's house to the land. So you're going to leave. He's going to leave his country, his kindred, and his father's house. What is he getting in return? Land, nation, and an even greater family. Leave your country, I have a better country. Leave your land, I have a better land. Leave your family, I have a better family. This is how it works for the Christian, of course, as well. Leave your earthly dwelling, I have a much better heavenly dwelling. Leave your family, as in, if anyone doesn't, isn't willing to even hate his own mother or father, for my sake and for the gospel, you're not worthy of of this kingdom. I have a much better family, brothers and sisters in Christ and so on. Um, and leave your, your nation. I have a better nation. This is how it works. The best that this world has to offer, the Lord knows it and he gives even better in the gospel. I'm struck very much at this. I'm bless you who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. Now that is a fascinating thing. Think carefully about this. Why doesn't the Lord just curse those who are bad people and bless the good people? Everything depends on how people treat Abraham or Abram. His name will be changed eventually. Everything depends on how you treat. You could be a bad person. But if you bless Abe and if you're cool with him and what God plans to do through him, you will be blessed. Isn't that the opposite of what this world would do? Isn't the opposite of what you or I would, would do? Him who dishonors you, I will curse. What about if they're really good to charity and do nice things? You can do all the nice things in the world, but if you dishonor Abe, if you want nothing to do with my promises through Abe, that's when my curse comes. God's blessing and God's cursing depends a lot more on just how good you are. It depends on what you believe with what he's up to with Abe here. Do you believe what he's doing through Abe? In you, Abe, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Do you believe that promise? Well, then you will be blessed. That's what it depends on. If you want nothing to do with it, then it's not going to turn out so well. That's what it depends on. And notice, I guess this is another big thing with the character of God. His heartstrings are such that even when he elects, even when he chooses, uh, why Abe? Why one person, by the way? You know, why not? A bunch of people, but Abe, and this will start Israel. So you have nation, lots of people making up Israel. He works through one for the sake of all we talked about. He also, as soon as he elects one or chooses one in a special way, has a role or so, it's always in light of doing something for everyone. All the earth shall be blessed in Abe. Does this sound familiar? Working through one, again, to bless everyone. Now, that's marvelous and momentous and magnificent and everything else. But what's even more striking, I guess, I mean, the, what the Lord has just said here is, and then Abraham said, how will this be since I am an idolater? No, it's Abraham went. 
He doesn't even say anything. He doesn't say a word. Abe went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Now, who's Lot, and why didn't Sarah get mentioned yet? And all sorts of wonderful things. I love this. Um, Abe goes just as the Lord had told him. It's the Lord's word that puts you in motion, by the way, out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's the Christian life. And Lot goes with him. We learn that Lot is a nephew, and I love this. Already, I'll say more about this soon, but already you get a sense that Lot is like, Lot is the guy. How did, why did Lot go with him? Why don't you tell me more about this? How did Lot even know? Now you might say, well, it's because he, his father died and what else does he have, you know, for food and, or, you know, shelter and all of this. Um, Lot goes with him. He could have said, now, I think uh, Uncle Abe has gone cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And yet he goes with him. He go, Abe goes as the Lord had told him and Lot goes with him. You get the sense here that, that Lot is, wants to get in on this. Lot doesn't get the promise, and yet he gets the promise, as in, I believe that the Lord is up to something through you. Lot goes with him. Abe is 75 years old. Abe takes Sarah, his wife, Lot, his brother's son, all their possessions, and the people, literally in the Hebrew, souls, that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Do you see what has happened? The word of the Lord calls you out of darkness and it already starts grafting in a little church. Believers, hey, they weren't given the promise, all those souls, and yet these are all the souls that that he had acquired. What a weird phrase, right? Well, how did he acquire souls if it weren't for the preaching of this promise in their midst, proclaiming what God is up to, singing reflecting, teaching, admonishing, encouraging through the word that the Lord delivered. Through my seed, he will bless all the families of the earth. Do you believe him? Well, then praise the Lord. Repent. The time is at hand. Confess the faith. Praise the Lord. And by the way, let's go to Canaan. So I love this little, and we'll say more about this too. Abe passes through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. Now, why would we be told there's an oak there? Kind of interesting thing. Just know that there's a, there's a well-known tree in this promised land. Sound familiar? There's a well-known tree there that you can just reference, and everybody knows who it is, what it is. Well-known tree. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Hey, hey Abe, I have a land for you. It's going to be awesome. It's a condo on the lakefront. Come here, move all your stuff. It's going to be awesome. He gets there, and it's somebody else's condo. Everything according to outward appearance, the eyes and so on, what the eyes see is the total downright opposite of what the Lord has said. Do you believe me? Do you believe the word that I've said? This is your land. No, it's not. It's their land. This is your land. No, it's not. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. This is your land. Do you believe me? This is what it's like in the Christian life when the Lord gives you a promise and says, I am the resurrection and the life as you look at the coffin. He's dead. No, he's alive. He's dead. No, he's alive. Do you believe me? 
Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent. Bethel on the west, I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. Big stuff here, isn't it? The Lord appeared. You know what that means? means we have a visual. This is the first time in the Bible where the Lord appears to somebody. Kind of a big deal. Does he have, what did he look like, you know? Um, he appears. How can he appear? He speaks his word so often, a voice from the heavens or, you know, whatever else is going on there. Here we have a visual. The Lord appears to Abram. And so we have a visual sign, if you will, a component there. Along with the word to your offspring, I'll give this land. So here's this promise to Abe and it extends to his offspring. This will get picked up in the New Testament related to Christ. Who's a real offspring of Abe? Well, read Galatians 3 and Romans 4 and many other places. The offspring of Abe, the true Israel of God, those who believe in the seed of Abe, capital S seed, the seed, the offspring, capital O offspring, who is Christ. Abe builds an altar, sound like what, Noah? Um, from there he moved, he pitched his tent. Notice he builds another altar. And we have this reference to the tent. This is the Christian life, by the way. Here's an altar, there's an altar. Pitch the tent, pitch the tent. Luther once called Christianity like a storm cloud, like a pelting rain that moves around. He said, you guys love it in Germany, but give it a little while, 100 years or whatever he said. It'll move along. You guys will despise it. Everybody won't want anything to do with it. And then somebody it'll be booming somewhere else. That's just the nature of how the gospel works. Well, I don't know. It kind of brings to mind our time. It's is it being snuffed out in the States and is it booming in Africa right now? You bet. You know, that kind of reality, that's just how it goes. Christianity on the move. The people in Genesis, the ones living by faith, they're tent dwellers. They don't hunker down as if this is the end of the show. Let's build a city with its top in the heavens like the Babel people did because this is all there is. No, we are strangers here. Heaven is our home. Our citizenship, you want to talk city, is in heaven. And so they're always dwelling in tents. They're always on the move. And of course, God's people are always on the move. We've talked about this. This sounds like the Exodus. This sounds like Christ himself. In whom is the tabernacle, the tent of Yahweh. And so when God's people pitch their tents, they reflect that one in whom they really tent and move and have their being. This is the story with Abe as this first section of chapter 12 closes. He builds... Then he moves and he builds. And then at the last verse there, verse 9, he journeyed and he's still journeying on going toward the Negev, which is the south. He he got a look at the promised land, but it's I, there's going to be some sort of fulfillment here in God's time. The Canaanites are all over. It's just not my land yet. He lets him see it kind of like Moses here. You can go see it, but you're not going to go in there right now. I've got an even better promise. Like The whole thing, I mean, we'll learn that with Moses. This is getting ahead of, way ahead of ourselves, but it was more than the promised land the whole time. Uh, you always get this indication there must be more going on here than just a physical earthly land. And you're absolutely right. Don't get too caught up. Yeah, you can see it, but give me time. And then you can see so it to wait for the promises. It's on my time, not yours. But also 
just to give you a signal here, it's not only about this physical earthly land. This whole time I have a much better promised land in my son in store for you. And that's where we're ultimately headed as we move around here, as the Christian church kind of moves around or gets pushed around, as it were. The gospel moves around, and yet uh, we are but strangers here. Heaven is our home. Uh, in the midst of our many locations, the altars around where we can enjoy God's heavenly presence physically, tangibly already in the wilderness of this life. Lots more to say, but it's break time. We'll take a quick word from not our sponsors exactly, but kind of our sponsors and be right back. We'll be back in just a moment to the Concordia Bible Institute podcast. In the meantime, I'd like to have you consider this question. What is most important in higher education? How do you prioritize all the knowledge to be gained at an institution of higher learning? Concordia University, Wisconsin, located on the shores of Lake Michigan in Mequon, Wisconsin, just north of Milwaukee, is an institution that is committed to excellence in learning, but at the same time realizes that excellence in itself is insufficient without development in vocation. We believe that God works through our vocations, our callings, in order to serve the needs of those around us. The mission statement of Concordia University puts it this way, Concordia University, Wisconsin is a Lutheran higher education community committed to helping students develop in mind, body, and spirit for service to Christ in the church and the world. You can learn more about the over 70 programs offered at Concordia by visiting the website, www.cuw.edu. And if you're benefiting from our Christ in Every Word podcasts, I encourage you to support this ministry by mentioning it to others and by offering your monetary support. Please consider supporting the Concordia Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on the Contribute page. And now, back to the podcast. Alrighty there, folks. We are back with our study of Genesis chapter 12, Christianity in Genesis chapter 12, I should say. Where do we see the person and work of Christ and by extension our life as Christians in him? These texts are quite remarkable, aren't they? I mean, so this is one just little historical account of God working with one guy, right? Abram, and that's that. And yet, what happens there as it's been recorded and so on, this is what makes it scripture. It speaks a word to the Christian church of all times and places. This is constitutive of the church, what it means to live and move and be the church. And we're going to say a little bit more about that here with Abe and Sarai in Egypt, which is, oh boy, I guess this is sort of how it goes too. The second you get baptized, the second you get Get the word calling you out of darkness, what the spirit kicks you out into the desert of this world. Happened to our Lord also, right? He gets baptized and he's kicked out into the wilderness. And so there's a famine immediately after the good, you know, the, the good times, I guess you could say, of just hearing this wonderful promise. And um, there's a famine in the land, which this is just going to sound so familiar. These themes of there's a famine down to Egypt. Does that sound familiar? Well, Joseph, okay, bad times, tough times. He's sold into slavery. He's, you know, betrayed by his brothers. He's taken to Egypt, and then there's a famine. You know, this this whole business of going down to Egypt. There's an exodus. There are several exoduses before the exodus that makes Hollywood. 
And that's important. The Bible doesn't waste words, but why so many exoduses, <laughs> exodi? Uh, everybody's going down. There's a promised land, but everybody needs to go down to Egypt first before they come back up. And that's just the story of the Christian life. You get the, the blessing, the word, and then it's down into the wilderness for a while before we receive the ultimate promised land. And so there's a there's an exodus before the exodus before the exodus. It, it's it's here. There's a famine. Abe goes down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine's tough. He says to Sarai, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you that my life may be spared for your sake. Oh boy, how best to understand this? Kind of, I don't know, a little tricky. Uh, Luther had some remarks, I think were kind of, he, Luther himself was kind of like, boy, this is, I don't know, I guess his, he, he basically lied and that's a sin. But then another thought occurs to me, he says, and maybe this is done out of faith. And I think he's on the right track. I don't think this is just a, a matter of, I mean, I guess you could look at it and say Abe's a huge deal, and even the big dogs of the Bible have their imperfections, you know, a little fib here or whatever, and let that be a comfort to us. Even the big dogs, you know, have their faults and comfort, you know, yourselves for that way or whatever. But I think this is huge for what the promise is all about, what the gospel is all about. I think a lot more is going on here than just the marriage business, which, of course, is at work here. Abe says that this little, you know, say you're my sister, it'll go well with me because of you and that my life may be spared for your sake. I think Luther's on the right track when he says this is all about the gospel. This is something that Abe sees. He's like, look, this is... I've just been given this miraculous promise. How will this be pulled off if I'm dead and killed? Well, I suppose I could tempt the or test the Lord, Luther says, but that's not really, I shouldn't just test the Lord and say, well, go ahead and, you know, I'll just, I'm going to die and then you figure it out because sometimes, you know, even if Isaac has to be sacrificed, the Lord will somehow make his promise good. That'll be in 22. We'll talk about that. But he says, this is what I, the way I see it, what are you willing to give up for this wonderful promise that you've just been giving me? Are you willing to leave land, house, field, meat, drink, clothing, money, goods, fame, goods, fame, child, or even, or even wife, though these all be gone? Uh, would you, what, what, what do you think about this? If anyone who's not willing to take up his cross and follow me, if you're not willing to leave even father, mother, wife, brother, sister, are you really worthy of this? Worthy to be called my disciple, the Lord would say. How much does this mean to you? Are you willing to give up? I mean, that's why I think why we have this marriage talk and marriage business. This is the closest, most intimate union the world has to offer the one flesh union of marriage and Abe as I see it is willing to even give that up for the sake of this gospel it doesn't mean he's a selfish you know whatever he just wants his own save his own skin and I think it's the business of 
I mean, Luther, again, he's, Abe would have had many sleepless nights. He was in turmoil constantly. He hated this. And yet he was, he was doing this, giving up what is near and dear, the closest thing to him, his wife, for the sake of, of what this gospel promise that he just received was meant to him. And so what happens, though, just as a further note on this, well, she goes to Pharaoh. The woman was fake, taken into her house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. He gets sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. Just hold that for a second. And then the Lord afflicts Pharaoh, strikes him. The word for plagues. Again, we're just doing this Egypt, this Exodus thing. And his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. And then Pharaoh says, what's this you've done to me? Why don't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say my sister? And I took her for my wife. Here's your wife. Take her and go. He gives orders concerning her. They sent her away with his wife, all that he had. Abe actually, in verse 2 of the next, we learn he's rich in livestock, silver, gold. He journeys on. Um, and we And we move along. This is huge. He gets not only his wife, but also... Goods, fame, and <laughs> sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, silver and gold. He's rich. It's If anybody's willing to give up this stuff, I guarantee you'll get return hundredfold already, even in this life. Uh, for the sake of the gospel in my kingdom, this is exactly what happens to Abe. He's willing to give up the most precious possession that this world has to offer his own wife. I mean, some say, oh, he doesn't even care about marriage. I think it's the opposite. I think he cares so much about marriage, and that's the point here, that he's willing to even give it up for the sake of the gospel. And yet what happens, he gets not only his wife back, but all this stuff on top of it. The Lord repays him, as it were. The Lord takes vengeance. The Lord afflicts Pharaoh. The Lord returns his wife plus a bunch and the promise is intact and this is this is marvelous faith as luther would say now again this that doesn't mean that that erases all the other questions about well is it technically a lie or not and you know what did the lord say about that the point is that the lord afflicted pharaoh and he made right what has gone wrong and abe has overflowing riches in light of it, I think that's the main point here is that even in famine, even when they're in exodus and they're in this terrible situation, on top of all this, Abe loses his wife. He gives it up. Um, he's rewarded a hundredfold already, even in this life and in the age to come, eternal life. And that's the story of our Lord's preaching about discipleship. That's the story of what it means to, to be a Christian, to take up our cross and to follow our Lord. Take they our life, goods, fame, child, and wife, though these all be gone. Our victory has been won. The kingdom ours remaineth. And I'll just leave it there. Great stuff. Genesis 12, bearing witness to the church of all times and places. Great stuff. We'll pick up with Abram and Lot separating in chapter 13 next time. Spread the word. Tell your family and friends that they too can learn more about God's word. 
with us. The mission of the Concordia Bible Institute is to provide Christ-centered Bible instruction from distinguished experts who teach Christ in every word of the Old and New Testaments to strengthen faith and spread belief in the one true God. Again, if you benefit from this podcast series, I encourage you to consider supporting the Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on our Contribute page. Until next time, my friends, I'm Dr. Brian Gurman, wishing you all God's blessings in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.